The Prep Sports Weekly Podcast is your official podcast and home for exclusive interviews and conversations with administrators, coaches, student-athletes, and more of the St. Joe's Prep Athletic Department. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Prep Sports Weekly Lit with Layuzzi and Bellucci on this Friday, February 12th of 2021. As always, I'm your host, John Layuzzi, and showing up today for the first time in weeks is my co-host, Anthony Bellucci. But coach, in all seriousness, a lot of scheduling stuff, but it's great to have you back. It's great to be back. I was holding out for a little more money, and uh, <laughs> luckily you came through, so. That's a college dimes uh, at work right there, but uh, we got a great we got a great show and bittersweet uh, episode today as we talk about a man who has not only shaped Philadelphia basketball but St. Joe's prep basketball and William Speedy Morris, known as Speedy to all of us. Uh, it, it should be a great show today, Coach. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of the stories from you know our guests today. Uh, obviously, I got a chance to coach along with Speedy for three years at the prep, and um, so just kind of. Interested to hear, you know, how his other 16 years went. Absolutely. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. we got a great lineup of guests, as Coach mentioned. Prep alum, WSJP Moderated Director of Communications, Bill Abington. Prep alum, WSJP Executive and former basketball manager of Speedy's Ricky Weeps. Prep alum and former St. Joe's Prep Athletic Director, amongst many other hats uh, and roles, Dennis Hart. Pre-recorded content from prep English teacher and soccer head coach and former basketball moderator Joe Coyle. And finally, former PCL basketball head coach and now the head coach of the UConn women's basketball team, Gino Yorayama. But Ricky, Mr. Hard, Mr. Abington, thank you so much for coming on. Good to be here, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you guys for inviting me. I'm excited. John, it's always a pleasure to share a mic with you once again. Good to be back. It's been a while, but uh, we talk about a guy in 52 seasons of coaching, won 1,035 games, 754 of them came at Roman Catholic, Penn Charter, St. Joe's Prep, uh, the most victories of anyone in Philadelphia high school uh, history, 32 regular season and postseason championships, and 14 league championships in the Catholic League. And we'll go through the through the here and just reminisce about Speedy and all, and we'll have some broader topics for everybody, but some more individual questions as well. So we'll start off right away. And obviously this is a broad and different answer for all of you, but starting out, what does Speedy mean to each of you all? Anyone can start out here. Yeah, I'll start out, John. I, um, you know, um, Speedy is just one of those guys to me who exemplifies a, a, a way of being that was, um, you know, family is just so important to Speedy and, um, but not just his, his nuclear family. It wasn't just Mimi and the kids and the grandkids. Uh, they, they were exceptionally important to him, but if you were part of his world, you were part of his family. Um, he just, uh, you know, if, if, if he, if you were in, you were in with Speedy and, uh, you know, I saw, I saw him take care of people along the way, you know, and, and I'm sure, Dennis got this, I used to get this, and he would text you and say, would you, you know, take care of this person or do this for this person? Or, hey, uh, you know, a, a neighbor of mine is doing this. Can you, can you send him? And just, he, he just had a way of, he just wanted to take care of people. And so I'm um, very, very proud of um, my relationship with Speedy, my friendship. And uh, my memories are going to be, um, as, as, you know, he's obviously still with us and a big part of, still a big part of prep basketball, even though he's not coaching. But uh, 
you know, I'm just really pleased to have gotten to know him over the years. Yeah, and just sort of building off of that, I think as soon as you asked that question, John, family was the first word that popped into my mind too because he didn't just care about the team on the basketball court. He also wanted to know about you as a person. And I remember going to his office, like he would constantly be asking me about my little brothers, one who's at the prep right now and one who has no interest in going to the prep, but he was still interested in in Keegan's life because he knows him from basketball camp. So just he liked to get to know you on a more personal level that extended way beyond any basketball court. You guys are uh, stealing my thunder here a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that popped into my head when I think about Speedy is, is the word family. And I, I'm really excited and blessed to say that he's, he's a friend, um, not just a colleague and somebody that I worked with and alongside and watched um, but he's a friend. I just talked to him a couple weeks ago because um, I knew he and Mimi had been sick and was just kind of checking in on him. Um, but yeah, his ability to, um, as you said, Bill, kind of make everyone feel like they're a part of his family. Yes, yeah, certainly Mimi and, and Keith and, and Margaret and Chris and all the kids and then his grandkids. But then like my own children, the first time I, I, coached with them on the basketball staff. I was an assistant freshman coach and my daughter Claire um, was not even a year old and I would have to bring her to practices sometimes on the weekends and things. And, you know, this guy's running practice for team that's competing for Catholic League championships and stuff. And I'm, I'm there with my, you know, months old daughter and he would come over and ask how she's doing. And, you know, he, he that stayed that way for the whole time that, that we worked together and, and has continued. So, um, yeah, what Speedy means to me is I, I get to call one of the greatest coaches of all time a friend, and um, and his fa- and and to be part of his family. I think for me, John, um, you know, Speedy, he was always that guy who we would run into at our workouts um, after basketball practice during the winter. And he would sit there with me for, you know, five, ten minutes after his practice and just watch our guys work out. And he'd point out, you know, point to one guy and say, you know, what's his name? You know, tell me a little about him. And he always wanted to know about the baseball players in the in the school. And, you know, I always – look, he, he had a long day. He could have went home. But he always stayed just those five, ten, fifteen minutes, whatever it was, just to ask about our players and how they were doing and – you know, what our expectations were for our teams in, in any given year. So um, that always meant a lot to me, you know, coming from somebody like him. And we'll go here to Coach uh, Coyle, who sent a pre-recorded thing. He wasn't able to be with us here when we're recording on a Wednesday for our Friday show. This is what Coach Coyle had to say about Speedy. So I met Coach Morris when I was just a little boy. Uh, like thousands of boys and girls in the Philadelphia region, I went to his, one of his Speedy Mars basketball camps um, when I was just, I think, nine years old and had dreams that I was actually going to grow above five foot seven and a half and could be a basketball player. Um, and it, it was a great experience. And it was typical to the way he is, right? So it was um, very tuned to learning the proper way to play the game, right? But at the same time, it was a ton of fun. Um, and so I went to his camps over the years. And then, obviously, when I moved towards soccer, I moved a little bit away from basketball. Uh, I didn't have any connection with them until I ended up at LaSalle University. So I was at LaSalle at 
some of his greatest years. So I was blessed to be there and, and just a great time for LaSalle basketball. And it was actually the same four years that Keith was there. Um, so Keith and I became friendly then. Um, and then we, Keith and I reconnected when our sons, my son Griffin and his son Matthew ended up going to grade school together at St. Genevieve's in Flower Town. And so I bring that up because we, we sort of then became family, you know, because our, our, our boys were so close and, and I reconnected with Speedy when, when he took the job here. Um, the thing that I most admired and still admire, obviously, to this day about Speedy is just uh, the, way that, the way that he conducts himself, right? So I, I think what makes a good coach is to be as much of a teacher as possible, right? So understand about the formation of the young man. So, you know, when you look at wherever Speedy's been, whether it's been Penn Charter or at LaSalle or Roman or the prep, like only one team wins the championship, right? So, so if your whole philosophy is based on it's winning or nothing, it's a championship or nothing, then that leads you uh, to a lot of failure, right? If that's the if that's the bar, right? So Speedy's been able to do both. He's been able to win championships at the same time. Teach these young men that it's about learning to be good students, good sons. Hopefully, down the road, good fathers, right? And and so that's what he's done. And I've tried to to take that into my program, into my classroom. Um, so when I was the moderator, and I was a moderator for a couple of years, um, I would stop down his office every single solitary day. And it was always the same question. Hey, coach, how you doing? I was like, do you need anything? It was always the same thing. Do you need anything? And it was always the same response. Not good. I'm good. You know, so here, here's a guy that, you know, had been in the game a long time. He could, he could literally just say, hey, I need you to do this and you need this. And I was like, no, nah, I got it. I got it. And it would just be, how are you doing? How are the kids? How's the what? You know, how are your classes going? And, you know, sort of give you an idea of the type of person that he was. It was, it was always about someone else. Um, so I've, I've tried to emulate a lot of those things in the way that I run my program. Um, I just think he's a, he's just a, a class individual. What he has done for this school is unparalleled in the time that he was here. The amount of time, and, and, and I might be speaking quote unquote out of school, but by talking about this, but the amount of time that people say, well, you know, a coach, a coach is in there to try and get his guys into the school, right? Because he wants to, he wants to build a better program. The amount of stories that I've heard about that man going to the admissions office and trying to help out kids that had nothing to do with basketball and say, how can I help a kid that maybe wants to come here but can't afford it? What, what can I do? Who does that? Like who, who does that on a consistent basis? You know, just trying to better the school. So, you know, he's just a class individual. Besides coaching. So if you had never coached a game of basketball, I would still consider myself blessed to have known. And I think if to sum everything up with Coach Coyle leading into what I think of Speedy, it's that class act. And something that stuck sticks with me still to this day. And Ricky, you probably can, can experience you experience the same thing coming to the prep. You knew a little bit about Speedy Marsh. You knew a little bit about prep basketball coming in as a freshman. But for me to be a part of WSJP, and I still remember these days of going and broadcasting the basketball games, and I started outside at Stats, but every single game, I remember a coach coming up and just giving me a fist five, giving the entire crew a fist five and thanking us for being at the game. I, To me, that was really big because I knew a little bit about Speedy prior his icon and this the statue and everything that comes with 
his name. But to have a coach take time away from just about to tip up, the ball's about to tip. Uh, the ref's about to blow his whistle, but he made sure to uh, acknowledge uh, that we were there and uh, doing something. I think that, that that's something that sticks with you when you talk about Speedy because he, he he's as appreciative to everybody that's around there as he is with his players. Yeah, I, I can jump on that. I, I agree. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember watching that happen, John, every game when we were we'd be radio and how appreciative he was when we were on the road. And um, it meant a lot to him that we were willing to, to, to be there. And he was appreciative. Um, you know, I have I have some great memories of, of Speedy. We talk about being classy. You know, there were moments where, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he could be passionate, right? Let's not, he wasn't saying speedy, right? Like he could get on the refs. He could get on other coaches. I mean, he was, you know, he was a coach, right? And he could, he could get at it, but he never left, that never left the court with him. I mean, and I, I mean, Dennis may have different ideas because he probably heard more than I did, but, you know, oftentimes, never you know, that, that or, or the locker room, <laughs> the all right, he got to the locker room. Yeah. But it was more of, you know, he mentored other coaches in the Catholic League. Um, there was a sense of respect among the referees. And I know, you know, people used to say we got a lot of calls, although I would strongly disagree with that. But, uh, you know, there was respect from the referees, even though he wasn't easy on them. They respected his 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 place, his stature. And, uh, you know, I think the last year, as, as, as Dennis can talk about, you know, everywhere we went, there was a tribute. And it wasn't. Obviously, they talked about his wins, but it was all a lot of times it was about the man he was. And, you know, I think the class, uh, you know, my uh, we're up here in Ben Salem. We run a, a little when the kids were in grade school. My Mrs. Abington used to run uh, the auction. Speedy gave a, a camp membership every year to St. Ephraim's Chanson Auction. We don't get a lot of prep guys from Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. We probably should get more. But, uh, you know. Didn't matter. Speedy just wanted to help. He was that kind of guy, and and so I I think he's kind of just class personified. He he used to speak for free at communion breakfast all over the all over the city of Philadelphia. He would go you know speak at clinics. He would uh, give people gear. I mean, he just cared tremendously. And the class act, like you just said, you know, if again he appreciated when you were part of you know helping him or doing anything. And Joe Coyle said the same thing. Like I would ask him often, "Hey, Speedy, what do you need? I'm good. I'm nothing. I'm uh, you can call me BA. BA. I don't need anything. I'm good. What do you, how are you BA? You know, like it really. For a guy without success, he really um, wasn't a diva in any way. He he took care of what he needed to take care of. Absolutely. And going into Ricky, you're in a in a unique situation from all of us. You were at practices with Coach. You were his manager uh, for three years, I think, two years at the varsity level. But what was that like, just being a manager to a basketball icon? Somebody I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot of basketball from. Yeah, and I don't think I really got to acknowledge, like, how special it was to be in the gym with Coach Morris while I was there. Because I didn't really realize until I got in the gym my first couple weeks at ASU with Bobby Hurley, he runs practices like a college program. Like you can talk about the tactical like basketball drills and things like that, but just the way he interacted with players, like he treated the program as a whole, he ran it like a college program. 
but just the respect he had with the players and Mr. Abington, you talked about it. Like you can talk about the gear or maybe giving the team cheesesteaks if they held a team under 50 points, but the, the real tools that he gave his players were not really basketball oriented. He was making them better people every single day at practice on the floor, whether they knew it was happening or not, that that's really what went on in practice was he was making everyone a better person, a better teammate and a better, a, a part of his family. Yeah, that's awesome. And family, I think is the word that we can sum this entire episode about uh, when you join the prep, uh, you have a connection with Speedy, you become the big family, but Mr. Hart, you not only were a prep teacher uh, before you became AD, but you mentioned you coached with him. What was that like uh, to learn from him? Because I'm sure you learned a lot before you became baseball a baseball coach as well. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough that um, you know they needed a freshman assistant basketball coach, and I was working at the school already, and. Um, Speedy asked me if I was interested, which I said yes to before I even asked my wife if it fit in our, into our lives. I have something I've done to her a few times. Um, but it was interesting. Um, you know, I'm a young, I'm, I'm young coach. I'm, I'm a fiery guy. And, and I remember like being in practice and I'm getting loud and I'm, I'm yelling at people and I'm doing, doing my thing. And, and at the end of that first, first couple of days of practice, he, he didn't say it in front of anybody else. We were just, he and I in the hallway. And he said, you know, you're, you're really yelling a lot. You know, you're, you're really loud. And I'm like, uh, coach, that's kind of odd coming from you. Like I've, I've seen you in action. Like he said, yeah, but this is practice. This is when we're supposed to be teaching. This is when we're supposed to be, you know, doing our thing in imparting the knowledge and getting them to understand how to play the game. He said, we saved the yelling for when the referees are around. Um, and I, I, I've right away, I'm like, Oh man, that's a good, like little things like that, where I'm thinking I've got to be in, I got to show speedy that I can get in there and, and mix it up and yell just like he can. But honestly, if you, I mean, and Ricky, you could talk to this. Like if you watch him in practice now, don't get me wrong. He'd get fired up, but there are days, you know, his, his voice barely gets high enough for anybody to hear him if they're 10 feet away. Um, you know, and that, that I think was really such a special thing to learn, um, to watch him run a practice as, as Ricky just said, like I got a glimpse as a young coach into watching a division one college basketball practice, um, at the high school level, which I think, you know, it was just a, an amazing thing. And and I would agree with Ricky. I don't know that I fully understood it at all times. It was kind of, you know, later or as you reflect on what you're, what you're a part of that, that you really get to see how amazing it is. And um, if you'll indulge me for another minute, the story that comes to mind, um, we played Roman Catholic. I forget what year it was. It might've been 2009, 2010, something like that in a playoff game at Archbishop Carroll. And Roman should have run us off the floor that day. I think the score at the end of the first quarter was like 20 to eight or 20 to six Roman. The final score of that game was like 44, 43 us at St. Joe's prep. And while it's happening, I didn't necessarily realize what I was watching until like thinking about the game later. And even years later, that guy, that amazing coach, got Roman Catholic 
to play the game we wanted to play that day. If Roman Catholic just played the game they wanted to play, we get beat by 20-plus, they score 80-plus points, and we can't do that. That's not what we could do that year. But somehow, along the way, A, preparing our team to play that game that way, but, but slowing the game down, calling timeouts at the right time, running the right sets at the right time, putting the pressure back on them to figure out what they should be doing rather than just doing what they were trained to do. We end up beating that team and, and going to the Palestra that year with a team that, sorry, guys who were on that team, we shouldn't have been on the floor of the Palestra that year, um, you know, by all, by all accounts. But I think just, you know, getting to see that up close and understanding that this guy is just a wizard in terms of preparation um, no one will outwork him and, and outwork his coaching staff and his players. And then somehow having that Jedi-like mind trick to get the other team to play the game we want to play. And he, he'll change the game he wants to play. I mean, there's years he has the firepower. You know, we're going to run. We're going to shoot, you know, with Vastori and Miles. And we're going to score 70, 80 points. And we're going to go that route. And then there's other years we know we got to take care of the basketball and play good D and not turn it over. And the, and the game's going to be 43-44 kind of game, you know. Um, he he could do it all in that regard. He knew what he had. He had a system, and then he knew what he had in terms of talent. And I just think it's amazing. that. You, and I'm picking one game, mm -hmm. right? You could do that probably several games a year through his entire career where you could look and say the coach impacted the game to the, to the extent where we ended up winning a game we probably shouldn't have. Mr. Abbey, is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I want to just follow up on that if I don't come, John. Yeah. Uh, I I agree, Dennis. I remember that that game of that team. I have an even more recent example. We lost to Roman, was it two seasons ago, by 30-some at CCP in like the one of the last games of the regular season. Two, like five days later, we go to Temple to play them in the first second round of the playoffs. Everyone walks in expecting us to lose by 30, 40. I mean, they were that good. And you know, we were we were uh, a little challenged that year. And man, we we could have won that game. You know, at the la and last minute, we're in that game. And and I think about it, and that's just an example. I will one of my greatest things of speedy was we were always going to be in the game. You know, and your point, Dennis, about he took the talent we had, like there wasn't it wasn't a system where, you know, you got to insert player here because that's his job. Speedy took what he had. I mean, obviously he's going to run the certain sets and things like that, that, you know, America's plays that he's run for, for 50 years. But at the end of the day, we, he, the Jedi mind trick is a funny, it was a funny way to say it. I, so many times I thought if that team just played their game, they beat us. But that, that happened time and again, where he figured out a way the preparation was right. The talent was right. He put the guys in the right situations. They 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 didn't panic in bad in, in situations. And you know that was I think the magic of Speedy Morris is that over all those years, you know, great teams, great good teams, not so great teams. We were in every game, and we were never getting we weren't getting blown out except you know, obviously that game against Rome, which I talked about. But there was there was something about being a Speedy Morris team, and when you went and played a team, you 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 were going to get a game. And coach, uh, outsider's perspective, you were at Roman uh, during some of his time at the prep. But more importantly, we've talked about it here on the podcast. It's Speedy's uh, brother, I believe, that had a big influence on you 
as being becoming a baseball coach. And obviously you have a connection with the Morris family. Uh, Ryan Morris, his nephew, is on your coaching staff. So what was it like for you joining Speedy School uh, when you came over from Roman? Well, first, two things. Um, we should have had Ryan on here tonight. He has some really good uh, Speedy stories um, that he could really share from the time he was his manager at LaSalle University and through the years of just following the team. Um, you know, but I, to reiterate what Dennis and Bill just said, you know, I, I've made a point to go to a couple games last year and just watch the, you know, the team and the other team they were playing both times were way more athletic than what the prep was. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the game, it's, you know, a one possession game. And I came away so impressed with that where these two teams probably could have ran them off the floor, but here they are you know, sweating out and the prep didn't win either game, but it was, again, it was a one possession game in the end where they could have won. Um, but to answer your question, so Speedy's brother, Terry, um, he was the one who got me in the coaching. Uh, you know, I remember playing for him. It was the last game I ever played. Uh, I was stranded on second base as the game ended, and he came over and just kind of walked over to me, put his arm around me and just said, well, now you're coaching with me. And, uh, you know, here I am 17 years later and I'm still doing it. Um, but then coming to the prep, I remember, you know, Dennis used to have three coaches meetings a year and it was probably like two or three weeks after I had been hired. You had the first one in 2017 in the fall and uh, Dr. Fish was with us. For, and I think that was his first year he worked with, with, our, with our teams and he gave a great presentation and at the end of it. I wanted to go over and introduce myself to Speedy because as long as I've known the Morris family, I've never actually met Speedy. And I'm walking out of the Rooney room and he was talking to Dr. Fish. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to interrupt him. I'll have plenty of time to talk to him. He stuck his arm out and grabbed me and pulled me over to him to welcome me to the prep, ask me if there's anything I needed, you know, never hesitate to stop in his office and talk. And I remember getting on the phone right after that meeting. I called his nephew, Ryan, who's coaching with me. And I told Ryan the story. And I'm like, like, I know this is Uncle Speedy to you, but this was just really cool. Like that he did this, you know, this legendary coach just took the time to, you know, leave a conversation he was having with, with Dr. Fish and welcome me to the prep. So that always meant a lot to me. And I had some good conversations with him throughout the years. Uh, you know, I remember our early Sunday morning workouts, you know, he would always be in the building, whether it was basketball season or not. Usually after he was in, he went to mass and he would just be sitting in his office and, you know, just stop in and say hello. And sometimes those conversations lasted two minutes. Sometimes it lasted 20. And, um, you know, I always left feeling that, you know, I learned something, which was, you know, always impressive to me. And kind of going into our next topic, and I, I this one, we have another pre-recorded thing, but to each of you all, what do we all know what Speedy's impact to St. Joe's prep basketball was, but as a whole, Philadelphia basketball, PCL, Big Five, maybe Mr. Abbotson, you can even talk about when you saw Speedy's team when he was at LaSalle and you were at SJU. What do you think his impact to Philadelphia basketball is uh, during his time and still today because he created and brought back basketball to the city of Philadelphia? Well, I mean, I, I think it's hard for people that, you know, who saw Speedy the last few years to, to just know what a legend he was for forever. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously people kind of knew the legacy, but when he was at Roman, there was nobody bigger. I mean, he was bigger than life. 
uh, as the head coach at Roman. And then at LaSalle, I mean, he had some serious, serious uh, teams, you know, Lionel Simmons and, and you know, Doug Overton and, and Jack Curtin, just some teams that, um, you know, were nationally ranked in the top, top five, number you know, one or two. I mean, they were unbelievable. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, they had some issues at LaSalle and, 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 you know, didn't really help Speedy very much. And then, you know, he had a fall from grace there and, and his resurrection of his, you know, his thing at, when he got to the prep um, was nothing short of miraculous. I mean, we, we've all, you know, Dennis and I were, have been through uh, prep basketball over the years. I mean, we were not a, a PCL power, you know, for many years. And um, all of a sudden his second year, we're winning the Catholic league championship over a pretty stacked Doherty team that had some players that went to the NBA and, uh, and we won again the next year. And, and so, and then, you know, for decade after that, we were, we were, you know, a, a perennial threat to get to the palestra and make noise. And so, you know, that kind of thing is, is really very impressive. And, you know, the big five is, is interwoven in the city, of course. So is the PCL and, and speedy. There's probably very few figures. There's nobody bigger in the Philadelphia Catholic league, in my opinion, than speedy Mars. And there's very few figures bigger than Speedy in the Big Five. So for that kind of impact on two of these unbelievable institutions in our city, I mean, Speedy is like Mr. Philadelphia to me. I mean, Mr. Philadelphia basketball, I can't think of a bigger legend. Yeah, and just kind of building off of that, I, I always remember that the, the game that he got his 2000th career win. And even before the game, like he didn't seem flush at flustered at all. Like it was just another regular game for him, even though the banner read 1,999 wins right above his head the entire game. But I just think after that game, because there were so many people there to see him win that 2000th game. And there's a picture, I think it was on the cover or it was in the Inquirer, I believe when they had everybody that was there, that was, you know, played under speedy managed under speedy, had some sort of relationship with Speedy and it took up the entire floor of the Kelly Fieldhouse. Like, and that was just, a, it felt like the entire city of Philadelphia was in that gym that day, but it, it's really just a small microcosm of how many people he's really affected in the city of Philadelphia specifically, but also just like his entire network throughout his entire career. Yeah. That 1000 uh, win uh, against Lansdale was packed. And uh, we all know uh, it's filled to the rafters. Uh, and it was such an awesome moment to see different coaches who in the PCL were playing games later that day, but they made sure that they were going to come up to the prep to watch history happen. So I think that was pretty cool. Mr. Harden, coach, you can uh, answer that same question here before we go to our pre-recorded uh, thing. We can um, just, I mean, sticking on the, the thousandth win thing, um, because it was brought up and I was that that is just being a part of that was awesome. Um, Bill and I probably have different versions of that. Sometimes we had to do a, a lot of legwork to get ready for some of that because we didn't know when it was going to be, who it was going to be. We had a game snowed out against Ryan. Might have been that, you know, so there was a lot of hoopla kind of on the on the back end of that. But two two things I remember from that day, um, which I just think were, were great little tidbits or stories. Uh, one was, um, you know, as AD, I'd welcome the referees and, and show them the locker room and kind of just 
get him a water and talk about the day. And, and one of the referees for that game was a younger referee. And I walked into the ref locker room, we're chatting and, um, the head ref said to me, like, is there anything we should know about the game? Like, are you doing a pregame ceremony? I said, no, we're not doing, we don't know if we're going to win this game. So things, if things happen, they're going to happen after the game. I said, but <laughs> one thing is don't throw him out of the game, right? No matter what he does, he can do whatever he wants today, right? You can throw him out of the next three, but if we're going to win, like if we're on the verge of winning, you can't throw him out of this game. And uh, the one of the young refs was looking at me like, I'm crazy. And I left the room. I said, you to the older two guys, I said, you better explain to him what I'm talking about, right? Speedy's going to be on you today and you just need to let it happen. Um, but the, the other one was um, before the game, you know, there's, I mean, you guys just ran through it, right? Every, anyone who's anyone in Philadelphia basketball is there. Some national people there. Guys flew in, Tim Legler and others flew in to be there. Um, the teams are warming up and there's an older gentleman who um, our security guy didn't recognize sitting actually on the preps bench while the team is warming up and Speedy's kind of saying hi to people at center court. And our prep security guard comes over to me and says, Hey, you want me to, that's an old guy on the bench, but you want me to kick him off? Like, I don't know what he's doing there. And I leaned down and I looked down and it was Pete Carrill. Um, who himself is in the is in the Naismith Hall of Fame for his legendary career, also a Pennsylvania native, I believe, um, but for his legendary coaching career. And uh, I said, no, no, don't, I'll take care of it. And I, I walked down and sat next to Coach Kirill for just a couple seconds on the bench in the midst of all, as you said, the packed house and the hoopla that was going on. Um, that was just a, a cool moment that day. And then certainly afterwards, being on the floor with all those people, um, that is a great a great photo that was taken that day. And I'm sure Bill is happy it happened finally too, so we could stop uh, worrying about counting who had the who had the number counter going each day. So um, yeah, I know John, you were you were kind of going into the Philadelphia uh, mm-hmm. uh, basketball route, but there's not like that thousandth victory right. typifies it all. I mean, I could, we could talk about you know, his time getting inducted in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, the Big Five Hall of Fame, every coaches versus cancer, lunch and dinner. I mean, the, the amount of people that stop by where he is standing or where he is sitting to see him and talk to him, that's all you, that's all you need to know. I mean, that's, that says it all. You're right. That day, that day, I just to, to piggyback, and Ricky, thank you for bringing that day up because it was a, just an awesome day. For St. Joe's Prep for Prep Basketball, for Speedy, of course. But my job, one of my jobs that day was to get Speedy to the media. And, uh, you know, all the, the all the cameras are there, all the press. We had set up a, a media room for the event. Well, I, there was, I couldn't get them there. I mean, everybody, I mean, everyone wanted a piece of Speedy, right? And I'm trying to, you know, he's saying hello to everybody. And I'm trying to, you know, pull him along and, you know, be, be kind and finally, I just brought the media to him, and I, you know, I said we're not going to the room and all these, you know, cameras and, um, but that that was that day. That day was so awesome. And and Speedy had time, so you had Pete Carrill, you had, I think John Cheney was there. You had Big Five coaches, City Six coaches, everybody there. Phil Martell, like these guys who were legends, and he spent as much time talking to the, you know, the eighth guy on the 2010 team or his old manager from, um, from Roman. Um, you know, he, he didn't big time anybody that day or ever. 
And so while, yeah, you can understand he didn't want to talk to, you know, so, you know, the media, because he was talking to a big star, he, he talked to everybody, the neighbor from Roxborough, the guy who, who, you know, one time went to, you know, St. John's and, and saw him coach CYO. That's who Speedy was. He, he just, that day was a great Dennis, good point, a microcosm of this, the, the Speedy Morris universe and uh, how awesome it was to be a part of it. You know, I think too, as a, as a fellow coach, um, some of the best nights that I have is when, you know, I get a, a text message randomly from a former player, whether it be five years ago, six years ago, or even two years ago. And just to kind of check in and see like, Hey coach, how are you? You know, how's your family? And we go back and forth for a while. Um, you know, so I think hearing all those stories about how many people came to that game, former players of his, you know, that flew in from all over the country just so they could be there for that game um, and see Speedy win 1000. You know, it just, it shows how impactful he was on their lives. And, you know, that the wins are, are great and we all love them, but when you can impact that many people and, you know, change lives of young men, you know, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And I, to give some context before we play this next clip, I did a story for the Marquette Wire uh, this past week when UConn was coming out here to Milwaukee, and I got to talk to head coach uh, Gino Uriema uh, during a press conference, and I, I got talking about Philly and all with coach, and he asked about Coach Morris. So I followed up with this question about what Speedy means to him um, because Gino coached and played at Bishop Kenrick uh, while Speedy was at Roman. So here's what Coach Yoriyama had to say about Speedy. Well, you know, when he was coaching at Roman Catholic and I was playing at Bishop Kenrick, that was the epitome of high school basketball at the time. You know, uh, when you played at Roman Catholic, you knew that you were playing the toughest team in, in, in the Philadelphia area, coached by the best coach in the league. Flat out. And, uh, you know, they had the, the gym on the third floor there uh, overlooking Broad Street and windows open. And, you know, if Speedy would be in various stages of undress and he threw his sport coat out the window one time on the Broad Street. Uh, it, 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 he just is an icon in the, in the coaching world across the country. And one of my greatest thrills was when I was Phil Martelli's assistant at Kenrick. And we went at Roman and we won that game at Roman. And I thought there can never be a greater win for a coach than to win at Roman Catholic coached by Speedy Morrison. Uh, so for me to play when he was coaching and then for me to actually be on the sideline and then, you know, to watch him coach at St. Joe's, I mean, at the LaSalle to coach the women, uh, there aren't a whole lot of people he hasn't touched during an amazing career. And I think to quote that, and that's such a great quote and gives you perspective of what Speedy was during his youth as a coach. And Gino, no matter who you at, you bring up St. Joe's prep, that's how it started with Gino. He asked, Speedy Mars still the head coach there? I said, unfortunately, he retired. But the impact that he has on people and his name is just known throughout the entire country. Um and when you talk about Philly basketball, and we've talked about it here, and I, I forget right now who said it, when you when the word Philadelphia basketball comes up, it's Speedy Morris. And I think that is just in a testament of uh, what Gino said about the impact Speedy has. And just 
a, an incredible, incredible uh, time as a head coach and even better as a person to impact players. Both he played, he coached for, and also just inside the school itself. I have to say, John, uh, this, I mean, obviously this season has been odd in general. There's no fans at games and, you know, it's just been an odd season in the Catholic league, but um, we have a new coach, Jason Harrigan, who, you know, is coming on board and it is really odd to walk into our gym, Kelly Fieldhouse, after, you know, 19 years of Speedy Morris in front of that bench and not have Speedy, you know, and Jason, Jason, I think is going to do a great job and, I think he's an awesome guy and he, he um, totally uh, was, you know, the right man to take that job, but boy, oh boy, uh, you know, it, it was weird walking into that gym. And uh, I will also add this because I know a lot of people don't know this, but Speedy Morris, who was no longer the coach of St. Joe's prep and, you know, has been so instrumental. He's talking to Jason, he's mentoring Jason, we were looking for practice space for a while. We couldn't practice in Philadelphia. Speedy's calling his buddies. He's calling in chits for St. Joe's prep basketball that he's not the coach of anymore. Um, so it tells you the kind of man he is, the legacy he's 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 left. And when Jason won, we won, we beat Bonner a couple of days ago. And uh, Jay, it was the first St. Joe's prep basketball win by a non, you know, not by Speedy Morrison since 2001, I believe, right, Dennis, or 2002. So I mean, it's just an incredible legacy, uh, and and you you say you can't say Philadelphia basketball while Speedy Morris. I think you can't say St. Joe's prep basketball. There's two guys I think of. It's Eddie Burke and Speedy Morris, and uh, um, you know they're just synonymous with prep basketball. And uh, I'm glad his name's on the court. And I know Dennis, you had a lot to do with that, making sure that happened. And you know, it's a great legacy for him. Absolutely. And real quickly here, as we get ready to wrap up this episode, and we could have an entire week of conversation about just Speedy and his impact. Give me real quickly two minutes from each of you uh, why Speedy deserves a spot in the National Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm, don't time me on two minutes, John. I mean, you know, I, I can be, you know, be long-winded sometimes. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'm going to jump in and, and I'll say a couple of the obvious things first, right? just look at the resume. You read a lot of things at the beginning. Um, Bill, you could probably recite the stuff by heart, having had to do it so many times for press and things. You look at a resume that includes the number of wins he has, the all-time leader on all the all these different boards, Philadelphia High School, Catholic, Philadelphia Catholic League, you know, the ability to coach men and women to, to you know, NCAA tournaments, the youth level, you know, all that stuff, right? It's there aren't many people that have certainly not many high school coaches, right? Speedy, I know coach college as well, but you know, the last 20 years and the bulk of his career being in high school, there aren't many high school coaches who have that resume, who have committed to to wanting to coach at that level for that long a time, let alone in one city, right? Um, I don't know off the top of my head how many high school basketball coaches are in in the Naismith. I mean, I can think of I think Mr. Hurley is, um, and um, Coach Wooden, right? I mean, I don't know. There, I don't know if there are more than that, but he has to be in that conversation, right? I mean, it's not. This isn't like, you know, we're we're comparing um, weird stats, and he doesn't he doesn't line up. He lines up with all of it. Um, and then I think when you 
continue to back that up with all the things that just got said while we were talking about the man that he is and the person that he is and the impact that he's had on so many other people's lives. And we didn't talk about this much tonight, but you look at the coaching tree. Um, the Inquirer did a great, a great article um, a few years back when he was going for the thousand wins um, of the coaching tree that he has and the amount of people that played for him and coached for him that have gone on to do uh, amazing things across the country and internationally. Um, so I think when you start to plug in place, all those things um, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, and, and yes, I'm biased, you know, being his friend and, and Philadelphia. Um, but also the, the big five thing, I think, you know, it's the best basketball um, rivalry in, in the country. Um, when you get, it's not even a league, right? It's its own little entity. There isn't anything like it in, in the country. And he typifies that. I mean, they just, in the last two years, they renamed the coaches award that they give out every year. The speed to the, they renamed it the William Speedy Morris award. Um, I, you know, if that doesn't scream hall of fame, I don't, I don't know what does. Um, and when hall of famers like Pete Carrill and other people like that think he's a hall of famer, to me, that also says a lot. Uh, well said, Dennis. I One of the things that always struck me about Speedy, this it's a crazy fact to me. His second year at every place he was, he won a championship. Second year at Roma, won the Catholic League. Second year at Penn Charter, won the Interact. Second year at LaSalle Women, he won the, 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 the MAC. Second year at LaSalle Men. And then the second year of St. Joe's prep that tells me he took over programs and just made them infinitely better. And none of those schools had ever won or had any success until that second year. And so to me, that tells me all I need to know about the kind of person he didn't just win at Roman where, you know, you could say, Oh, he can get more talent. He didn't just win it, you know, uh, LaSalle or whatever he won everywhere he's been. And, and not just, you know, a win, a winning seat, a great season here, a great season there. We, I mean, we could look at the 2013 team with Steve Astoria that went to the final four of the States. That was, that was an outlier. Most of our seasons were just great. You know, that was an out, out, exceptional year. He, um, the consistency and, and the love of the game and, and the fact that he continued to teach and coach, you know, well after his health, probably, you know, you know, in the last couple of years, his health was poor and he just kept showing up. He kept going out there and coaching and doing what he could because that's what he loved. And to me, um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, whether he gets into the Naismith Hall of Fame or not. But um, to me, I think it's it would be uh, um, a real disservice. As Dennis's point is that the Hall of Famers tell us he's a Hall of Famer. That's me, not Bill Abington talking. That's John Chaney. That's Pete Carrillo. That's, you know, all kinds of other coaches. So um, I, I, I hope that the, the basketball hall of fame sees fit to enshrine him. He deserves it. And, um, you know, I think the fact that he, you know, Dennis's point about coaching every level, when every level was just perfect. I think besides the fact that we could go on and on and on about this, like I know, John, you're, you're in kind of a time crunch. You got to keep this short for the listeners, but just the fact that everything we've talked about tonight, just about Speedy, and when you induct someone in the Hall of Fame, you can't just do that based off 
their performance on the field. It's also their, their personality and who they are as a person off the field or off the court. And I think Speedy is of the highest standard in both of those respects. You can talk about the wins at different programs and how he's been able to turn those around. You can talk about all the people that he's affected as a coach, whether it's on the floor or off the floor. So I think just the person of Speedy Morris as a whole is a Hall of Fame individual. For me, you know, anytime somebody gets introduced as a legend, legendary Speedy Morris, I mean, I think that says it all. Um, and it's not just, you know, St. Joe's prep or prep, you know, alum that say that. It's everybody. You know, every, you talk to someone about Speedy Morris and right away they say he's a legend. You know, so that's Hall of Fame to me. Absolutely. And I – I can't say anything else because it's all been said. Um, I think this guy, this coach, his resume speaks for himself, but his more importantly, the impact that he has on and off the floor is what really is a testament to why he deserves a spot and deserves to be enshrined in, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. But thank you all for uh, coming on today. It's been, it's been great. Uh, It's probably one of our, one of my favorite shows so far, prep sports weekly. Thanks for the invite, John. It was great. Uh, it was great to be here with you guys and to miss my colleagues and, and my friends. And uh, it was it was great to be here. I appreciate it. John, I love John and Coach. I love the work you guys are doing with the Prep Sports Week. I'm a big fan. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the prep, prep sports, and just uh, a great guy in Speedy Mars. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, John and Coach, you guys doing a great job with Prep Sports Weekly. Keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on. Well, make sure to listen to Earth is a Ball, Ricky's podcast there as well. Uh, you can follow it on Twitter at, at, at our weeps. Well, that'll about do it for us here on this episode of Prep Sports Weekly. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SJPrep underscore sports for latest scores, stats, and updates, ball prep sports, and all the broadcast information from WSJP, as well as our all of our content for our podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the podcast each week by searching Prep Sports Weekly on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, or anywhere where you listen to your show. So for Bill Abington, Joe Coyle, Dennis Hart, Gino Yoriyama, and Ricky Weaves, my co-host Anthony Vellucci, I am John Liuzzi, signing off on this episode of Prep Source Weekly. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Have a great night, and remember, the Hulk will never die. Go Prep.